This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is the Varsity Club podcast. It's a Friday. It's been a long week. Derek Peterson here. I got Greg Smith back with me. Greg, how are you, man? We missed you last week. I'm excellent, man. Yeah, sorry. A lot going on last week, but I am back. The weather is nice for a day. Like, it's a good day. I'm happy. It was good yesterday, too. Yeah, oh, it I was kind of good, yeah. Drove home with the windows down, playing some music. It was I, nice. ca- I cracked the window. You cracked the window? <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're okay. getting there. I like it hot. Like, blistering hot. Should move to Oklahoma or Texas. Yeah, not Texas. Nobody Arizona. wants to live in Texas. No, Arizona, probably. Today we have a uh, a full show. Uh, I had the idea to get some of the, the other people around the Big Ten on the podcast to talk about their spring games. My computer is going off. Uh, talk about their spring games. We're going to have Atreya Verma, sports editor from the Purdue Exponent, on in a little bit to talk about Purdue's spring game. They played last Saturday. Then we're going to have John LeBlanc from the State News. He's a sports editor there uh, covering Michigan State. We'll have him to talk about Spartan Sparty's spring game, if I can talk properly. Uh, we'll have him in a little bit as well. I guess those are the only two spring games that we're going to get in between now and when Nebraska plays because everybody else keeps canceling theirs. Um, we're going to talk about quarterbacks a lot because that was the news of the week. It was the week of quarterbacks this week. It was, yeah. We got them on Tuesday. Yeah. First, yeah. we got all like all four of them on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, <we did. laughs> I think we can say all four of them now. Yeah. We didn't get Patrick. And then Thursday, we found out why we didn't get Patrick. So yeah. Patrick is gone. We will talk about that uh, in a minute. But... Are you ready for the NBA playoffs to start? I absolutely am ready for the NBA playoffs to start. Now, let me get my disclaimer in there first. My complaint that I have to have every year that it lasts too long. Um, the, the travel days annoy me. The not best of five in the first round annoy me. But that being said, I love the NBA playoffs and I'll watch as much of it as I can watch. Um, if I can stay up late for all you of these. You think it lasts games. too long? Yeah, I think that there's too much time. Like the, you've got like that extra travel day. I think that you that happens in basically every series. I think you need to go best of five in the first round as well because it also add a little variance um into what happens or at least the threat of it um yeah i think it's too long you don't think it's too long no oh god you have playoff games every single night for like a month it's too long yeah, what and is it 40 games and 40 nights or whatever it's fantastic yeah no it could be shortened and you don't like you don't get those those stupid memphis lakers games that nobody wants to watch no, I mean you could <laughs> listen. Except for you, you would watch. Yeah, it. <laughs> I want to watch it. Um, no, we need to. It needs to shorten up. Uh, what's that? What? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> this completely caught you off guard. It you did. did not see me going. No, there, I did man. not. I love the playoffs. I do love it so though. Much. I will still watch it <laughs> quite and, a bit of it. But, and like yeah. when 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 the playoffs start, it's like every single night I'm watching every single game, and I'm just such a happy person. I think I like. Like I was talking about this when the the NCAA tournament started. I think the first two days of the NCAA tournament are the best days of sports, like any sport. But the NBA playoffs to me are the best uh, postseason of any sport. 
I would agree with that, even with it being too long. Um, I do love the NBA playoffs. And I also, I've also always been a person that even, you know, what feels like a long time ago now, but it was really not when the Lakers were actually a mainstay in the playoffs. Like I still watched other teams in the playoffs and I always have other storylines because I typically do have league pass and I like to watch, you know, all of the stars around the league. And I think the league's in a great position right now with so many great stars and the young stars around the league that I am really looking forward to, to these playoffs. I'm looking forward to uh, JoJo taking Philly to the, the Eastern Conference Finals and then making another run at Rihanna. That's <laughs> that, what I'm looking forward to. That will likely happen. I do have them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think I, men- I may have mentioned this to you in passing yesterday. I can't remember. I talked to somebody about it. Um, but that Philly thing... We're on the verge of people not liking them anymore. Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, okay, so we're we're right there. Like, I think this playoff run will be fun, and people will be rooting for them to do well. And part of it is Embiid will be hurt. It'll be fun when he comes back with the mask. And Fultz now, people act like he's Rudy after coming back from this injury or, like, head issue, whatever was going on with him. People currently like Simmons. But they've got a high jerk factor on. Yeah, that they're team. gonna wear on people. Like that is going to wear. Like you're already seeing that with Embiid um, and Whiteside, you know, kind of coming after him when people thought no one would kind of go at Joel Embiid because he's seven foot or whatever. But yeah, that's gonna be over here really quickly, and it's gonna turn fast. I will say this: they gotta win fifty games, otherwise people are gonna turn on them really quickly. That too. If they hadn't yeah. won, like, I, they won fifty games this year. I can't believe that. <laughs> Considering what we thought. Now, we thought they'd be exciting coming into the season, but I don't think you saw this. Uh, especially considering they've had time without Embiid. They've had, obviously, the, most of the season without Fultz. Um, Simmons has been great. Um, rookie of the year. Shout out to Donovan Mitchell. But, yeah, you just didn't see this coming. I think uh, for my my game day attire, for this season, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear Adidas hoodies that have definitions of words on them, and I'm going to subtweet like each individual media member with each hoodie that I wear. That would be great. <laughs> I think that should be what I do. Yeah, excellent. Um, how many people do you think have tuned out by now because we've just talked NBA? Uh, half. You think half? Yeah. Damn. Come back, guys. Come back. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you to make a, a championship <laughs> prediction, but let's let's go right into Nebraska so we don't lose anybody yeah. else. Uh, Patrick O'Brien wasn't at practice on Thursday. We found out why, and Mario Verduzco told us in just the best way ever. He, he starts his media availability off in the hallway, uh, second floor of Hawks Championship Center. He's talking, he's talking, and somebody asked him about Somebody asked him about the pecking order, and he was like, well, you guys know what's going on with Patrick, right? And everybody's like, no. He's like, oh, he wasn't at practice today. I'll let you guys get the lowdown on that. And then we asked Troy Walters. He's like, I don't want to comment. We can only focus on the guys that are here. And then it starts to leak out that Patrick has asked for and been granted a release. So he is transferring at the end of the semester, not going to play with Nebraska this year. He had an Instagram post that football is a hobby. So I guess read into that what you will. Yeah. Uh, reaction to hearing that Patrick was gone. Um, I was stunned. I still even hearing you retell that story, and I was standing there when it happened. Like here, like it, I'm just picturing in my mind how that all went down, and how he just kind of matter of factly said, "You guys heard about Patrick, right?" And we're all thinking probably the same thing, which was, "No, dude, we're talking to you." Or we should call him a cat, right? Because he calls everybody cat. Um, that was his thing. I love that. But so which was so great. He's great. Um, but it, so I was kind of stunned by the way the news was given to us. 
but not stunned at the actual news, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think the writing was on the wall once um, he his reps were cut on Tuesday. And I kind of go through all of this in Big Red Recon um, that's posted today. Uh, go check that out. Read that. Yeah, so and I kind of I walked through it where essentially on Tuesday he was told, Patrick was told by the staff that we're going to start do, divvying up these reps a little bit differently so that we could give the guys that we think are in the running for the starting job the best chance to be seen, right? You're going to basically be forced string well that also turned into not just that he was getting his reps cut he didn't get any reps on tuesday none from what i'm told so then on tuesday we also had the quarterback availability he doesn't show up there was speculation running rampant of course about that there were some people that would have you believe that it wasn't a big deal some that were like oh okay we can kind of see the writing on the Mm -hmm. wall which was the correct camp um and then on wednesday he talked to mario verdusco about his decision thursday he doesn't come to practice thursday we find out scott frost has granted um his release okay i was curious about that tuesday you said he didn't get any Walters was asked about how, at this point, they start divvying up reps to guys. Mm -hmm. And he gave a scenario where he was like, let's say we have a 10-play drive. The first guy will get five plays. The second guy will get three. The third guy will get two. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, that's very specific. Like, you didn't just come up with that off the top of your head. So I was curious (laughs) if that's what happened. Sounds like that's yeah. That's that's, what that's basically what happened is that they they divvied up those reps and he wasn't getting any. Um, and, and so when you have that information, though, you do you kind of understand why he didn't go to practice? Like, and I, I feel like there's always going to be some fans that say, "No, nah, man, stick it out and try to figure it out." But I, th- I think I see both sides on yeah. that um, because the, I mean, it, it's not just that the writing was on the wall. Like, you know, at that point, that you're not going to compete for the starting quarterback position. Yeah. And then if you add into the fact, it's not as if this is going to work itself out over the next year or so because the guys that you're competing with are younger than you, and you have a guy, a transfer coming into the mix next. Mm-hmm year and whoever they bring in this year in the recruiting class so I just I thought it was the best move for everyone and I actually do give Frost a little bit of props for not stringing him along like I think there are plenty of places around the country where they would have found a way to give him a couple of reps um said hey yeah you're still kind of in this this is what you need to do yeah just to keep him from leaving um because of the quarterback depth situation kind of being tricky and you don't want to lose um guys um so I give them some props for that as well and I think it is the best move overall for POV. Let's talk about that in a couple seconds because that's a good point. But I want to mention a couple of things. I can't wait until they name the starter because I'm just picturing a bunch of scenarios in my head of how Verduzco is going to tell us who the starter is. <laughs> he just drops it like, I just feel like, randomly. Yeah, he, he'll he be talking and he'll just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, so-and-so is the starter. And or then call, carry on. Maybe he should just tweet it out. He doesn't actually really use his Twitter, though. Right? No, I mean, not, not unless he's retweeting stuff. Yeah, he retweets stuff, but he doesn't actually <laughs> like send stuff out. Yeah. I don't know if you like. You said the with Patrick going back to Patrick. You said the writing was on the wall, and I think I don't think this is a, a move that surprised anyone. I think it was more surprising the timing of it that it came this yeah. quickly. Uh, but like you said, that's that goes to the staff and not you know stringing him along. Like you said, um, he was running out of time too. Like he doesn't have much time left to play. Like he's a third year, third year sophomore. Right. So if he transfers somewhere, he's got to sit out. I mean, he's running out of time. So I I, I see it from his 
side. It was a little weird to me that he does it now instead of going through practice. But at the same time, if he's not practicing, what's the point? Yeah, that and that's what I can. That's how I got there too. Because at first I'm thinking, okay, well this this timing is really weird because you really don't see it this way. You don't see guys um, leave in the middle or you know three fourths of the way through spring. You mm-hmm. see it happen after spring when they have those conversations. And Scott Frost, by the way, alluded to that um, on Tuesday as well that they will sit down and have conversations with guys. Because yeah. um, I also put in Big Red Recon today, they got to still move off of four scholarships if you include Noah Vedral going on a scholarship this summer, which will probably happen based off what happens with UCF and how they grant his full release and all of that. And that's even separate from his now waiver um, to try to play immediately. So probably have to come off of four scholarship guys and they're going to have some difficult conversations when you get um, to the end of spring. But I think that that's, that's probably, that's doable. That's a doable number because I think you would normally have that much attrition when you have a new coaching staff. And I think that they'll be able to not necessarily pick, Hey, you, you're going to be cut, but I think it'll be kind of obvious in certain spots that either you're not, you're buried on the depth chart and you can't make a move or you really don't fit what we're doing. Or in some cases, you're not willing you as the player realize that you're not willing to put in the work that's going to be required to get to where you need to be I'm honestly surprised that we haven't seen more of that last one because anytime there's a coaching change there's attrition Mm -hmm. and when you go from a system everything that we've heard was that they just weren't doing anything close to what they're doing now last year anytime you have that big of a jump I'm just surprised that we haven't seen more players or a couple more check out i i am stunned by that i thought that we'd have guys immediately Mm -hmm. jump now and and i guess you you did in a way when you have the nick gates decision tanner lee um but those especially in the case of tanner lee you understood why he did that um i do think that nick gates was a guy that saw what was about to happen and then said "Eh, i need to get out of here Um, i'm not willing to necessarily do all of this um but i I am surprised that there weren't more guys that immediately said okay i'm out of here but i think that that is a testament to the credibility that this staff brought with them by Mm -hmm. based on what they did at ucf and what some of them have done in their history Mm-hmm. Because you think, hey, if I can find a way to make this right, I think things are going to get fun around here, and I'd like to stick around for that. Definitely. And Tanner makes, I mean, he fit this offense even less than Patrick O'Brien did. Yes. So it makes sense that you've lost. The two quarterbacks that you've lost are the two that weren't realistically going to play. Right. So no surprises with the quarterback attrition so far. But it is attrition to a room that, had three scholarship guys mm-hmm. that were eligible for this season. Now they've got two. We don't really know what's going to happen with Noah Vedral. He told Tom Chattel at the World Herald that he was there was a chance that he might get an immediate eligibility waiver from the NCAA, but that's not. I don't know that that's something that you can um, rely on mm-hmm. if you're the coaching staff. So as of right now, you've got two scholarship quarterbacks, both of whom have never played a single second of collegiate football, and you've got a walk-on sophomore. When you, you worried say, about that room, ah, boy. When you say it that way, it sound, it makes me nervous. When you say it that way, um, and if you, I feel like the less information you have about the team, the more worried you'd be about that. Okay, and, I, and I'll put it to you this way: like you see the stuff from like BTN, and I think something came out just yesterday where um, Tom Dehart was going through saying after Patrick O'Brien decided to leave, oh, they've only got two scholarship quarterbacks, and yes, that is a reason for concern. But if you it if you knew more about Tristan Jebbia and how he could potentially fit into this offense and about his work ethic and about his prowess in high school, he's a record setting um, quarterback in California. Um, I 
think you feel better about that. If you think about Adrian Martinez being the handpicked guy for this offense, yes, he didn't play his senior season. Um, yes, he's also not 100% healthy, um, but he's a dynamic runner, um, and he's a, he's a good enough passer at this point without being um, fully healthy that I think you could feel comfortable rolling out there with him too, knowing that your future is bright. But that's a lot that I just had to explain before you start to feel comfortable. So, yeah, I do think that's a little concerning. um, And that's before you even get to the Andrew Bunch situation. I will say this. I'm not worried about it because I think this is something that comes with the territory of the expectations that were going to be placed on this season. It's not like you lost a you know a fourth year junior that had played that had multiple games of experience patrick had one half of experience right. last year i mean it's not like you lost a ton in that regard but at the same time we didn't really know what we were going to get from the quarterback spot this year anyway and we figured that the top two guys were going to be jebia and martinez and neither of them have experience so i don't know that anything really changes on that front do you, do you i mean do you buy that andrew bunch is competing for the top spot because Verdusco talked about he's not just a depth filler and that he's surprised them. And we've heard the, the staff talk about they, they didn't have expectations for him and he's come in and he's exceeded expectations. And and I don't know how much of that is just he he's he's looked good. I mean, he fits what they want to do because of what he ran when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And he's got that speed and that, that athleticism component that Verdusco talks about. But I, I just don't see him actually competing for the top spot because... I mean, what does that say about... You've talked about this before. What does that say about your program if a walk-on kid is beating two four-stars, one of them that was hand-picked for this offense? Yeah, I think that... And I'll start there. I think that it does... I think that it does signal something not good for your program. And it's not a disrespect to Andrew Bunch, and I don't want it to come off that way. um, Because, hey, he could turn out to be a a fine player and a good fit in this offense. But I'm not necessarily sure that that's the scenario that Scott Frost and Mario Verdisco want to find themselves in where Andrew Bunch is the starter this season. I think I don't buy that he's right there with those two and Martinez and Jebbia as far as competing for the number one spot, but I do buy that they are pleasantly surprised by what he's been able to do. And sometimes when you have super low expectations for something or someone and they exceed them somewhat, it feels like this huge gap, right? I think that's more of the situation that they're in. Um, and I think that he could provide quality depth. And I think that he is going to end up providing some quality depth for them because only having three quarterbacks that are eligible right now is really not good considering Scott Frost wants to have, I think he said five scholarship quarterbacks, excuse me, on the roster at any given time. So no, I don't, I don't buy that. I think it's Jebbia or Martinez. I don't think that you're going to roll out there with Andrew Bunch. I think that that, I just think that that opens up some cans, some cans of worms that you just don't want to have happen. I also think it comes off a little bit as hate on our part when we when we say that we don't buy the the bunch hype, and I don't I don't want that to be the case because I love walk on success stories, yeah. um, especially at quarterback. I think they're cool, but at the same time, we haven't. I mean, we've seen 15 minutes of him in pseudo live action drills. Now I will say now he did flash when we saw him like I, I saw a play where he scrambled out of the pocket and made things happen with his legs I saw a play where he dropped back and made a nice pass down the field so I've, I've seen that um now granted I just that's two plays out of right. everything that's happened in the spring um I, I, I just don't know if I completely buy that and listen we have this every year we have these spring storylines and I'm sure it's not unique to Nebraska I'm sure it happens all over the place um and every year coming into the spring people say that they're not going to fall into that same trap 
mm-hmm. and I feel like it's happening again. Um, but also, it's an important spot because you do need him to be functional. Like, like I'm not saying that he. Like he can play a role on this team as a quality backup, um, but I just I just don't think that he's going to be the starter. Okay, let's move on. Um, We're going to get to we're going to get to my the the couple interviews that I had talking about the Purdue spring game and the Michigan State spring game. When we come back, we're going to talk about something that you just hit on. Frost wanting to have five scholarship quarterbacks in the room. We're going to hit on what's next in terms of bringing in a new quarterback. So here's a trail. All right, we're back, and uh, joining me now, I've got Atreya Verma from the Purdue Exponent. He's covering the Boilermakers this year. He's a sports editor of the student paper. What's up, man? How are you? Thanks for joining me. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, you guys got your spring game in. I see that there are just spring games getting canceled all over the country right now, but you guys got your spring game in last Saturday, Purdue did. And uh, I guess first, I just kind of want to hear from you about how that game looked, um, kind of your main takeaways from that. I know it's hard to to really pull anything substantial from scrimmages and things of that nature when you got guys coming in and out, but just kind of what were your thoughts on what you saw from Purdue? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It was definitely colder uh, than most spring games would be, um, but they were able to get it in. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways was uh, the fact that this isn't the team that Purdue fans or anybody watching the Big Ten is probably going to see this season. There were um, a lot of injuries, a lot of players held out um, uh, just in terms of precaution. Um, So you didn't really get to see the starting tight ends. You didn't get to see uh, a lot of the D linemen. Um, And so it's really hard to evaluate in terms of depth. Um, However, there were a couple of takeaways, such as uh, how – the, the secondary, Purdue secondary, might be its strongest unit on defense, which is super surprising coming off the of last year, um, especially against Nebraska. Uh, Tanner Lee had a field day uh, in terms of working uh, working the back end of the defense. Um, and so I think that was kind of a surprise um, considering Purdue lost a lot, I think five uh, seven starters on defense, but they still seem to have gotten um, some strong, um, some strong play uh, from Dietrich Mackey and Kenneth Major, who are both expected to be um, in the starting positions. What did you see from uh, from the quarterback play? I know you, you, Sindelar's still coming off that ACL surgery, so he wasn't playing. But there were three guys that that played, and I was watching highlights, and there were a couple of throws that were pretty impressive uh, from all three of the guys. What, what were your thoughts on the quarterback play? Yeah, um, they they were there were definitely a couple impressive throws. I think everyone is a little bit surprised. David Blau, who uh, who, took, who started five games last year, was back and healthy this spring, um, but he looked pretty great. He only played a couple series, um, but in his time, he looked like the same David Blau. No sort of hesitation um, in terms of running away from the pocket or anything like that. So it seems like he's going to be ready to go, even if Elijah Sindelar isn't. Um, in terms of the two other guys, the two freshmen, um, Nick Seip, who's a redshirt freshman, and the early uh, enrollee, Jack Plummer, who the coaches are really high about. Um, Jack's uh, made some, they say he's made some re- uh, some big strides this season. Um, and they keep reemphasizing that this is supposed to be his senior year in high school and how he, he might even go back uh, and just to go back home to Arizona uh, to go to prom, but he's still learning 
um, a lot about the offense because he decided to er, uh, enroll early. Um, so like you said, he, he made a couple um, – Jack and Nick both made pretty um, daring throws down the field that, that connected with some of the wide receivers, which was good to see. Um, and, of course, David was um, was his usual self. Um, it didn't throw any picks, which is which is always a good sign. That's a good sign. Nebraska's got one of those those young kids themselves, and Adrian Martinez, who's supposed to be still in high school. Um, and I guess Plummer is getting similar hype this off season to a guy like Adrian Martinez. Is that I mean, is that realistic hype? I mean, we're going through a little bit of a situation at Nebraska where uh, Andrew Bunch, who's a walk on sophomore quarterback that was just providing depth last year, people are talking about him competing for the the job and I'm looking at Purdue. Is this Sindelar's job when he gets back, when he gets healthy or is, can someone like Plummer or can someone like Blau maybe push for the, the starting job, even if Elijah is healthy when he comes back? I think, um, I don't think it's definitely Sindelar's job to lose. Um, when Jeff Brom took over the program, he, he didn't even he even throughout the season he refused to name a single starter. It was a week to week to week basis. Sometimes it was Elijah, sometimes it was David Blau, and finally they settled on David Blau. And then a couple games in, he dislocates his ankle. So I don't definitely don't think it's um, Sindelar's job to lose per se. Uh, I believe if if everything goes uh, the way it seems to be going, David will probably be the the week one starter um, against Northwestern. Um, just simply because coming off an ACL surgery and he's not even practicing with the team yet, um, he's still uh, he's still doing rehab stuff. Um, so I think in, in, if, if it was somebody's job to lose, it might be David. In terms of challenging for the starting spot, I think Nick Sipe and Jack Plummer have both shown tremendous growth, but it would be hard for me to foresee them um, usurping David, who's got, I think, nearly four years of experience now under his belt um, in the Big Ten. So that would definitely be a challenge. But as if anything um, that, w- that we learned last season was how important depth can be at that position. Um, so I think it helps to have guys uh, who, you, who, have seen, who you have seen that they can make throws down the field um, in the quarterback room at least. Okay. One of the, the cool things about spring games is you get to see some of the guys that don't normally get a ton of time or don't ever normally even see the field. They get on the field and they look good and they become a fan favorite. It's happened here. It happens everywhere. Um, I, I was reading that Purdue didn't have a ton of healthy bodies in the backfield. Uh, so redshirt freshman walk on Alexander Horvath, Horvath, however you, am I yeah. messing up his name? Uh, he got He got to play a ton and looked good. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, Xander um, Xander Horvath was kind of a surprise. Obviously, he's been him and uh, Martel Jones have been doing with the majority of the reps with the with the injuries in the at the running back position. I was surprised about with his ability to sort of catch out of the block field. He's got the sort of body where you'd expect him to be able to block, and um, he he might even be able to play some of that fullback position um, in the fall. Uh, but his ability to catch out of the backfields on those screens um, and also help out on those bubble screens blocking um, was really surprising. I mean, he had 75 yards on the ground, but he also had 65 yards catching, uh, mainly off those little short screens um, and then sort of turning up field. So that was really surprising. I don't think um, anybody expected that. Um, and because the running back team, uh, uh, group is so deep, um, he might end up um, showing up on special teams units in the fall, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he show, if he played a little bit of fullback uh, just to help out with the blocking. Okay, so Purdue went 
seven and six last year. Six and six got to a bowl game. They started mm-hmm. out started out looking pretty pretty strong. Um, they only had the the one the one score loss to Louisville in the opener. Um, looked competitive uh, at times against Michigan. Um, it it seemed like Purdue was maybe a little bit further ahead of where everybody expected them to be under Brom, and it it felt it just felt like they had an upward trajectory. Looking at all of the injuries that they're going through right now, do you th- do you think that this is a team that continues to be on the come up this season, or is there is there a, an aspect of the game that you're worried about, maybe somewhere on the defense, maybe some some spot on the offense that you're worried about that you see holding the team back? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a, you're absolutely right about. They they definitely caught uh, some te- a lot of teams by surprise. I think back to that Missouri game early in the season last year. Where they went down to Missouri and they just dumped them, um, which nobody saw coming. Um, so I think it's definitely going to be harder. And you're, you're right about the injuries. Um, a lot of the injuries, like in the backfield on the offensive line, Jeff Brom has said that he expects almost all of those players to be ready to go by fall camp, um, which is a good sign. Obviously, um, that's a projection nobody knows for sure. Um, but I think that uh, the team should be relatively healthy in the major position groups to be um, for, for week one against Northwestern in terms of the trajectory of the team. I think it's a little bit um, deceiving, right? Because people are going to come in this season and probably expect a similar season, if not better, um, which can be hard uh, because I still don't think uh, Jeff Brom has all the tools that he wants to run his offense. Um, I think he's still sort of trying to modify, and he knows, and he said this after the game, that that this season um, isn't going to be anything like last season just because of how much attrition they've had. Um, And it's also important to remember last year, the defensive defensive side of the ball sort of held it together while the offense figured it out by the end of the season, and that was because they had so many seniors, I think seven seniors out of 11 starters on that that defense were um were seniors last year so and they don't have that this year it's going to be a really young defense so it's going to be sort of on the offense to sort of pick up the slap again and that's obviously much harder um when you have quarterbacks both coming off of injuries so i, I just i think while fans can be optimistic uh, for a similar season um i would i wouldn't be surprised to see some early stumbling blocks um right out of the gate okay i'm going to try not to say any more purdue players names because i think I don't think it would be a normal podcast if I didn't screw somebody's name up. So I'm going to try to to stop <laughs> saying Purdue players' names. Um, game on this. I'm going a little off script on you here. Game on the schedule sure. for 2018 that you're most excited about for Purdue. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think it would have to be uh, an Ohio State game. Um, I think Purdue fans. I, I would compare this to the Michigan game from last year where um, Purdue got off to a hot start going into the Michigan game. They were really, there was a lot of high hopes, a lot of people watching around the country. And I think if you look at the early schedules, there's definitely some winnable games on there and Purdue could be um, coming into that um, Ohio state game with a winning record, uh, which would be a a great, a great thing for the program. Um, Just because Michigan, they sort of faltered out by the end last year. Um, the Boilermakers did, and it, it's almost a measuring stick. So I think that's probably the game that I would look forward to most um, in terms of seeing where this team uh, and where Jeff Brom's program stacks up in year two of the program, in year two of his reign. 
Okay. Well, I was going to uh, ask you to come back on the podcast whenever Nebraska plays Purdue on September 29th, but considering that you're not looking forward to that game, I don't think I'm going to ask you to come back on the podcast again. <laughs> uh. Well, you know what? If it's anything like last year's game, I think there'll definitely be stuff to talk about, and I'd be happy to come back on. So that was a that was a pretty thrilling finish. That was a fantastic game, and and you were talking about this earlier, and and I, I the first game that I thought back to was the Nebraska game, and I was like, when was the last time Nebraska? I mean, the the internal feeling in Nebraska, they're going on the road to play Purdue, and they're like, what we're going to lose this game? Like I, I can't remember when the last time was that happened, because that was de- that was generally the thought process here was, well, we're going to lose this game because Purdue looked good and Nebraska didn't, and. I don't really know how Nebraska pulled that out. Tanner Lee looked really good down the stretch, um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was weird because Purdue wasn't. I think they'd lost to Rutgers, um, but they they but just a couple weeks before they played Wisconsin right down to the wire, and I think Wisconsin at that point was ranked top ten in the country. So even despite the record, everyone on the everyone was high on Purdue going into that game, which is you know not not common in these parts, at least not recently. Absolutely, and. Uh, I think everybody played Wisconsin right to the wire last year. Wisconsin was just not. <laughs> we can have some Wisconsin slander on the podcast because I was not not impressed with Wisconsin last year. Um, all right, man. Well, yeah. I uh, I appreciate you taking some time to come on. I will uh, call myself out here a little bit. We made him wait a little bit longer than I should have, um, so I apologize for that. Thanks for being patient. Uh, September twenty hey, ninth, no Purdue travels to Memorial Stadium. We'll get a rematch of last year's. ESPN Instant Classic. Uh, hopefully it's just as good as it was last year. Um, thanks, man, so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys go follow Trey on, on Twitter. I'll link to his Twitter in the description on the podcast. So appreciate you, man. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Yep. And uh, now I want to welcome in our next guest on the show, John LeBlanc, sports editor at the State News. John, welcome in, man. I know you're having a sort of wild week in oh, East yeah. Lansing, so thanks for fitting in some time to join the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So uh, Michigan State had their spring game last Saturday. Um, they're like mm-hmm. the only Big Ten team that is apparently going to get their spring game in. <laughs> Offense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's Purdue and Illinois got theirs in already, and, and Minnesota had it on Thursday. But offense beat the defense 32-30. to yeah. 30. You guys wrapped up spring ball. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, um, Sparty was really bad, and then last year, Sparty was much, much better. So my question for you is, mm-hmm. gut feeling, what are they going to be this year? Um, I think MSU is definitely going to take that momentum off of last season. I mean, if really, to, to be honest, I think that 2016 was, maybe was probably like an outlier just because you had Tyler O'Connor coming in as quarterback. You didn't have somebody like a Connor Cook or like a Brian Willerke. Brian Willerke was able to lead that team. So this year, especially with Lewerke getting another year on his belt, that defense, which only lost Demetrius Cooper and Chris Fry on it um, as starters, and still has that whole, they have that whole there other than, you know, the legendary Jalen Watts Jackson and uh, fans eyes who transferred or requested for a transfer this uh, offseason. But honestly, I, I'm thinking 11-2 season. They're going to be, they're going to meet up to expectations. They're going to be, I think he was back on that, on that top realm or that twenty top fifteen, top twenty five realm of uh, of school or not schools of programs in the country. Big expectations. I I think it'll be expectations. I think a lot of fans are uh, are expecting them to come out firing. I think a lot of fans are expecting 
are kind of just expecting to to go back to what MSU was. I mean, some people still have the back, some fans, and some people still have the back in their minds of the 2016 season. But like I said, I think that's just a real outlier. And I think they they'll win a, they'll win most of their games. They'll they'll fall to like to an Ohio State. I don't think they'll to like an Ohio State maybe at Penn State this year they'll fall. But other than that, I see them pretty much winning out most of their games and possibly maybe even pulling up like an upset over Ohio State and making maybe a possible college football playoff run. Hey, interesting. Um, let's talk about the the spring game for a second. Had a, a little bit of a, a sandbox feel to it. From what I've read, uh, Mark D'Antonio just kind of moved things around as he saw fit and changed downs and distance and time and all that good <laughs> stuff. Um, puts both sides of the yeah. ball in a kind of a weird situation. What was your main takeaway from that that game? Um, my main takeaway was really just, I would say just the, uh, watching the offensive line or watching, yeah, I'd say watching the offense. Well, actually, no, my main takeaway, sorry about that, was just kind of seeing that he played mostly the first team defense for, most, for the most part. He, his main goal, although he wanted to put like the offensive situations, most of the game Rocky Lombardi was playing. I mean, the work he played of like a few drives, but mostly it was the Rocky Lombardi show on the quarter for, um, for the offense at quarterback. So it was mostly, mostly because I just wanted to trust the defense. He really wanted to see how they could handle on the pressure. That's why that's why Tony made all those changes. We were even wondering in the press box, to be honest. We didn't know what, what was going on. But, um, yeah, defense, he wanted to really challenge our defense, um, even with Lombardi in there. But just to get to be able to drive home those late game drives, because Cardi Willis said a post game, the senior, one of the senior safeties on the team, he was like, we got to, Coach, he put us in these adverse situations because we know game time, you know, coming 2018 regular season, they'll be able to – this is what's, what it's going to be like. So it's just kind of more so just kind of like a test for the defense and see what they can handle when, when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to game-like situations, when goal line, two-minute drill, stuff like that. Okay. Let's talk about that defense because on the, the coach's teleconference call on Wednesday, D'Antonio was really complimentary of uh, D.N. Kelly – Kenny – Willicus, you said this yep. to me before we came on, and I forgot it. Willicus? Yep, Willicus. Uh, okay, I'm trying not to butcher anybody else's name. Um, said he, D'Antonio said he's emerging on that defense. So I'm curious what your thoughts were uh, of him and of that, that front seven overall uh, after spring, after losing a couple of guys, a couple of key guys from that unit last year. Um, I'd say Kenny. Kenny just, since last season, he kind of just came out of nowhere last season, and as the season progressed last season, he kind of became more and more dominant. More and more of a turn on that defensive end, and during the sp- and this spring or in the spring game, you kind of saw that a little bit. But it, it's more so for me. I was there. I know. I know what I'm going to see out of Kenny Willicus. I know how he's going to do. He's just, I think he's going to keep improving, improving, and kind of be. Although he is a junior, he will be a leader for that defensive front with the guys with a lot of guys that are still kind of young, at least on the defensive end side. Me, like I said earlier, Demetrius Cooper, senior, graduated. That was the open spot that we've seen a battle really between Jacob Ponishuk. Yeah, Jacob Ponishuk. Sometimes I have to remember how to say his name. Jacob Ponishuk and Justice Alexander, who coaches up in San he's, he's had a really good work ethic. He's been really impressing people. And Jacob Ponishuk, he's been able to play like half the spring games, but he did, I'm pretty sure, if I can remember correctly, he did collect a sack. And, just, and both of them kind of split first team reps on the opposite side of Kenny. So in terms of the breaking down that front seven and that front four, I've been mostly seeing. I've been mostly. I've been mostly keeping my eye out for uh, Jacob Ponsuk and Justin Alexander because that's going to be the real key position battle. Once it comes to when we actually play some play some actual football in the fall, um, 
see who comes up on top on there and how D'Antonio and Seth Bullock, the defensive end coach, kind of, you know, throw whoever in there. I mean, and with the defensive tackles, Naquan Williams, or not Naquan, Raquan Williams, excuse me, and Mike Pinesuke is pretty much a dominating run stopping force up there. Mike Pinesuke, Jacob Pinesuke's brother, kind of being able to, they were able to push the front and get a couple sacks. Um, and then Chris Fry not leaving the front seven. Now leaving from what all these coach Mike Trestle or defensive coordinator and linebackers coach Mike Trestle and Antonio said that, that that open line, that strong side linebacker open position would be really just a battle between Brandon Randall and Tyreek Thompson. Ty, um, Randall being kind of more the athletic one and Tyreek Thompson being the more like football IQ minded one. Um, but you also see. And then, well, I'm sorry, I'm losing my fan thought. And then you got Joe Bocci and Andrew Dahl, who are returning stars from last Joe Bocci collecting around 100 or so tackles, kind of really emerging as one of those leaders. One of those leaders, one of those leaders on that defense, like a middle linebacker, should. And then, yeah, just that other linebacker position has really just been a battle between Brandon Randall and Tyreek Thompson. Tyreek Thompson did play a little bit of middle linebacker, a little bit of Mike um, in the spring game, which was his first of the spring. But really, that's. Joe Bocci's job to lose, and if, even if Joe Bocci does go down, I would believe uh, Byron Bullock, a uh, younger brother of Riley and Max Bullock, um, would take that middle linebacker position. But that front seven, I mean, other than maybe trying to figure out that defensive end position, figure out that linebacker, that open linebacker spot, that front seven looks pretty formidable and could repeat as like a as a top running, run stopping and pass rushing defense. What's your biggest question mark then uh, that you've got when you look at this team as it heads into the summer and the fall? Um, I would say that offensive line. I mean, Mark Stan, offensive line coach, and D'Antonio kind of said they kind of have seven, five, six, seven, eight amount of guys that they can, they're able to throw in there. But particularly that center spot, um, Antonio actually said in the center conference that was looking like Matt Allen would be the number one. And that's kind of not a surprise to people. It was really going to be, really going to be a battle between Matt Allen and Tyler Higby, and I think it still might be just considering how the summer and the fall is. But seeing how that offensive line holds up, seeing how that chemistry between Brian Malerke and Matt Allen kind of works out as it, as not only as the summer progresses, but as the fall progresses. Because Malerke said, he, the way Malerke was talking, it was sounding like he was favoring, favoring more towards uh, Matt Allen. But Malerke even said, like, him and Matt Allen still need to work on some chemistry. Matt Allen being the sophomore and working you know, having Brian Allen as his center last year. So that's probably my biggest question, Mark, seeing how that offensive line shakes out specifically on the center spot. Because with those guards and the tackles, they can switch about force just people in and out from there. So that that doesn't really concern me. It's just looking at that center position, how that holds up, how that chemistry with ball snaps and stuff like that, between Lurky and Matt Allen, you know, how that ends up working out. I mean, it's easily the most important spot on the offensive line, the center. If you don't have, yeah, if you don't have yeah. a, a, a established center, you're going to be in for some trouble. And I think the offensive line on for Nebraska is my biggest question mark too. Heading into the, mm-hmm. heading into the summer, um, in 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 Lincoln right now, the hype train for a second year walk on quarterback is picking up so much speed. It's about to <laughs> derail. Um, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's how spring practices usually go, right? You get lots of optimism. Yeah. Everybody looks good. Coaches aren't going to say even if they don't look good. Um, what about in in East Lansing right now? Give me a guy that's not a, a known commodity outside the area, but is getting some hype this spring. Somebody that outside fans should keep an eye on. Yeah, I'd say Grayson Miller. He was a backup safety in um, his previous three years here, and now a senior. He transitioning out to the linebacker. And he kind of was looking. He was looking good on the string. He was flying around, making good open field tackles. 
and be able to play in space and stuff like that, which is honestly a good trait when you're going to safety to linebacker. But even Josiah Scott said after the game, like, when I'm looking at somebody, I know I know I can just trust Grayson and Miller right away because he's a he knows he's been a defensive back. He knows how to how certain things work. So definitely, which he, Josiah Scott said, that will definitely come in handy when they when this game time and Josiah Scott's trying to make a play and Grayson Miller knows okay who do I have to cover do I have to help Josiah and stuff like that. So say. Is one of somebody people should keep an eye out for. I love heavy hitting safeties. Uh, I yeah, yeah, I love I love safeties that can come and knock somebody's helmet off. Oh yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the Spartans play the Huskers. Uh, well, they haven't played each other since that really really entertaining 2015 game. Um, they'll meet back mm-hmm. at Memorial Stadium on November 17th. That'll be Nebraska's yeah. last home game of the season. Actually, um, it should be a fun one. John, if, if you're up for it, uh, we'll get you back on here again that week to preview the game. Sound good? Oh, I would. I'd love that. It'd be great to be back on the show. It sounds good. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, John, I will link his Twitter account in the description. Make sure you give him a follow if you want to keep up with Sparty. Um, we're going to do a, a short little intermission, and then coming up we'll have Gregor's back on the other side. Okay, Greg. Now that we're back, let's, let's talk about recruiting. Okay. Let's talk about quarterback recruiting. You had on the forum the other day that Max Dugan is no longer a thing. So <laughs> where And I, I don't think that's a surprise. No. Um, so where does Nebraska go now in terms of adding another body to that quarterback room? What do you think? Yeah, so and, and just to add something else even to the Max Dugan not being a thing situation is that it, it, it is because it's a strange situation where myself included, many of us um, in the media thought that he was just a, a perfect fit for what they were doing here um, with this new offense. Um, Nebraska, and Nebraska certainly put forth effort with him sending multiple coaches to his high school during the, the contact period um, as they were you know getting ready to wrap up I think the 2018 class and then shortly after that um, so they've put time into evaluating him. I think that there's a couple of concerns there. I think, number one, I don't know that uh, Nebraska and other teams, Iowa included, who's also backed off of him, I don't know if they're fully confident about his ankle injury um, being fully recovered. Um, also, for on Nebraska's standpoint, I don't know if they think that he's the, the 100% best fit for what they're doing. And I think that we're starting to get a little bit – we're starting to get a little bit of a picture of what they're looking for at, in a quarterback. And it's not just if you look at the 2019 quarterbacks that they've offered, but also the 2020 guys that they've offered as well. Um, more dynamic athletes at the quarterback spot. If you if you take a look at some of those guys' film, um, and the guy that I think is now poised to be the number one guy on their board, and frankly the only quarterback that's visited them this spring. Think about it. And then when I, that hit me, and I was like, wait a second, they've offered maybe 10 to 12 quarterbacks for 2019 none of them have yet to visit campus yet and there's been a number a slew of guys that have been here whether it's junior days or just midweek visits um, and i'm talking about luke mccaffrey out of valor christian in colorado son of ed mccaffrey christian's brother um has a brother that plays at michigan as well um the one that's at duke or as well um he was here last weekend for junior day three-star quarterback but he has not he's yet to be the full-time starter for his high school now while immediately that would alarm you there's a pretty good reason the guy that just played in front of him last year is now at colorado as a scholarship quarterback and then before that his brother i think it's dylan um that was a five-star 
quarterback and went to Michigan. So, I mean, he's had to sit behind a couple of Power 5 quarterbacks that went to major schools. So you can kind of understand that. When you watch his film, he's dynamic as an athlete, high completion percentage. Um, You can see why Nebraska thinks he'd be a great fit, which also then... Gives, it makes me wonder about the current battle that Nebraska has going on because if they're offering all these dynamic athletes at quarterback, and that's what it seems like they really prefer, dynamic athletes that are, have accurate arms and make quick decisions, who does that line up with with, the, with what they currently have? Andrew Bunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was glad. I was thinking more Adrian Martinez, but <laughs> we'll see. So, like, I don't know. So, But I think that he's now their, their number one target. Um, he's talking about coming back in the fall. I, I don't think he has any other visits lined up um, right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does at this point, if he ends up being the guy, the quarterback in their 2019 recruiting class. The visit thing, is that just because Scott talked about this on the teleconference on Wednesday? Uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't want to bring guys in. Now he doesn't want to to get guys committed so early because then he has to hold them for so long. Is that just he wants to maybe wait until later? Uh, no. I think I, I well, get. Fine, then. No, I think I get what he was saying about that, but I laughed a little bit at it because yes, you do want to be able to hold on to guys and capitalize on excitement and not have as much time to hold on to them. But at the same time, by having say Luke McCaffrey come here, you know, during the spring, he can then also make a return trip. You don't have to go through some of the formalities that you go through on that first trip of the campus tour and all of that. You can focus in on him spending time with the coaches and seeing you know all of the other bells and whistles so i think getting guys to campus multiple times is okay but i see where he's coming from about having somebody you know commit now versus later but also they definitely want guys to come here for the game day experience like in 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 a perfect world they come for both they come for a practice during the spring see how the guys teach and coach um and really get to interact with them and then they come back for the awesome game day experience that's always or you have them come back three times in the case of messiah newsome defensive end out of iowa where he He's going to be here, you know, three times in the course of six weeks. Um, he'll also be back for the spring game as well. That'd be nice. I got a, a question for you that I've kind of been thinking about um, lately, especially with Scott talking about that. We don't want to fill up in June. Mm-hmm. Mike did. Riley mm-hmm. did. He, he said he wanted to, to get a class full by June. And then you look at some of the, the big hits of their recruiting classes. There was O'Brien. It was Keyshawn Johnson. It was Lamar Jackson. O'Brien's gone. Keyshawn's gone. Lamar hasn't lived up to the expectations. Now that we've got, what is it, three or four months of this staff and seeing how they recruit, have your has your perception of the last regime's recruiting success changed? Um, yes, um, because I, I do think that they, they had some bust, but also I think that... It's so weird when you talk about their their recruiting because you also then have to include some of those guys last year that they had committed that ended up le- like not making it to campus, obviously. Your Chase Williams, your Bookies, your Joshua Moores, Mario Goodrich, um, Christian Tut, who was a silent commit. Like and those people are, in Norman cannot stop talking about Yeah, Bookies, every so time if, I look up, I see something <laughs> about If he had gotten him. here, I think that would have been like the gem. Yeah, their, absolutely. Their absolutely would have been. So like... And so they did very well in some areas and then in some areas it just didn't meet the mark like I think they did have some big time guys obviously on the hook last year that never made it here but then also there's like 
I mean, it's a real thing that when they got here, when the Riley staff got here, there were four scholarship linebackers. Now, what do you say about that linebacking group? There's a lot of different options that they have at linebacker, right? I think that's the deepest group um, they have on this right. team. Right, so you have to give them some credit um, in certain areas. They also did stock the, the offensive line room up. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not those guys pan out, it's another story. We still don't know yet because it takes a couple of years to evaluate linemen. Um, but there were good things, bad things. But I do think that this staff will do a better job in a couple of key areas, running back being one of them. Excuse me. Running back being one of them for sure, when which we got to commit um, this past week from Thomas Grayson um, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa. Booker T, is that where he was Yeah, at? Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Yeah. Washington. Led them to a state title last year. What do you think about... Let's switch gears off of recruiting for a second. If Noah gets that waiver, I mean that changes everything this season. Is he? He? I mean, he's instantly that your starter. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think because I I think and I've alluded to this a few times. My thought on, I think that this staff believes that they have good enough talent at the skill position in their deep skill positions on offense in their defense that they can win say eight games. Okay, I don't think that they're confident in what they have at the quarterback for this year. I think that in the future, that quarterback spot will be very good. I think that whether or not it ends up being Jebbio or Martinez, um, I think in the future, two years from now, you'll look up and be like, whoa, that, they got one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I truly believe that. But for right now, I don't think that they have, they feel confident that one of those guys can consistently make all of the plays, whether it's both legs and arm, um, to be able to take advantage of the weapons that they actually already have on this team. Because if you think about it, if you had a guy like Noah Vedral who I think is a good player, but I think that he's more Robin to the Batman of the offense. I think that he'd be a good job of just distrib- being the point guard, distributing the ball to everybody and knowing where th- what things were supposed to happen. Um, and I think a guy like Stanley Morgan, um, who would then be able to more consistently get the football from Noah, I think would be would light up <laughs> if that were to happen, um, because I think that the offense would be that much more dangerous. Plus, he's a very good runner. Noah. Yes, Noah. So then Stanley is Batman. Yeah, in this case, Stanley Morgan is Batman in this offense right now. Yes. Stanley Morgan is like Batman and Superman rolled into one in this offense. Yes. I can't <laughs> wait to see how they use him. Yeah, I'm excited. I I I mean JD feels like we're not it feels like we're not talking about JD at he all. He is anymore. the least talked about guy. Like think about like and I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because we do talk a lot about Stanley and the coaching staff talks a lot about Stanley. Yeah. It is no secret how they feel about well, Stanley. And, and just now you were talking about Stanley and I was like, mm. who's another receiver I'm excited about? And Tyjon was the first name to is head. the next one that comes up. It's like up. we leapfrog yeah. JD every Which time. Which we should not do. <laughs> we absolutely should not do. That might be uh where he's best at. He can do the most damage at. Yeah. When everybody's like, oh, what's gonna happen with Tyjon Lindsay? what's going to happen with you know miles jones out of the backfield what are they going to do with the running backs and all of a sudden jd is popping off for 800 yards this season which i would not be stunned at but the thing is is that wide receiver room and this is why i think it goes back to what we were saying about the quarterbacks and i think that if they felt that they could get steady play there they could win eight or so games is because if you think about stanley and you think about jd tajon mike williams has gotten great reviews mm-hmm. um this spring so um, mcquitty has also gotten great reviews justin mcgriff has gotten really good reviews as well mm-hmm. and that's before you add Woodyard um, Juco transfer, who looks like he's going to qualify um, and will make it in this summer, and then you bring in Miles Jones, like your skill position at the wideout alone is really good. And then you get to Greg Bell 
Maurice Washington, if he makes it in, um, Jalen makes it in. Yeah, listen, he's going to be a summer. He's going. You're going to have to wait on pins and needles until the summer. I'm told to be able to see if Maurice Washington actually will make it to Nebraska. We'll see on that. Um, But you still got Jalen Bradley um, in that group as well. Like there are weapons all around. Jack Stoll is having a good spring. I still think you need to develop one more tight end in there. Um, But uh, Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens, Katarian Legrone coming in. Like there are already in short order, they've really changed the dynamics of the skill positions. Can they get quarterback? It's just about play? the quarterback now. Can they get quarterback yeah. play? And you know, we have not mentioned the offensive line. And part of the reason I've not mentioned them is I think that they'll be fine because they'll be protected by the scheme. Like, I'm less worried about the offensive line than I was because I think that this scheme is designed to help out an offensive line, even if they're actually struggling um, because of just all of the different ways that they actually. And we were we were tweeting a clip back and forth um, of some spread offense stuff about, Mm -hmm. you know, you let a tackle go free because you're running an inline option. Mm -hmm. Um, There are all sorts of things that you can do um, to really help your offensive linemen out. If you're getting consistently getting guards running free to go hit linebackers you're in a good position even if those guys would struggle with traditional run block Mm -hmm. i'm also just moving left to right i'm not worried about brennan hymas he looked really good last year i'm excited about what the staff has done with Mm -hmm. him and duvall has done with him in terms of changing his body getting ready to go i'm not concerned about gerald foster as long as michael decker comes back healthy i'm not concerned you're you're cringing are you worried about michael decker i'm worried about something that i don't i'm worried about michael decker coming back healthy I right now would look at Tanner Farmer being the starting center um, and Bo Wilson being the starting right guard. What about Hunter Miller? You're not on the Hunter Miller. I'm right not. On the, I think that he provides depth. I don't think that. I don't think that he's. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he would be getting this many reps in practice if they weren't planning on. But doing Tanner Farmer's been him. getting reps in practice at center too. But Austin has said that Hunter Miller is the one. He's been getting the lion's share of the reps. You don't believe him? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's fine. We'll see if Hunter Miller goes out there um, and against Akron if Michael Decker is not available. Okay, well, you just took a shotgun to my <laughs> sorry my comfort sorry. level with that offensive you line. Still, no, nothing's really changed on that. You should still have comfort level um, with those first two guys that you named. Are you comfortable with I Tanner did, Farmer? I did have a caveat at center. Oh, said okay, if Michael bad. Decker is healthy, I guess <laughs> that will be... That will be we'll my see. crutch That's, that I'm I starting on. to get nervous about that because if you notice, we don't hear anything about he's getting close. So it makes me a little nervous. Well, but we also didn't, like, we weren't told that Cole Conrad was back practicing and then he was back practicing. That's true, too. They have, they've mastered the art of being secretive but also giving us other information. Like, it's really yeah. strange how they kind of operate that. And I, uh, I walked away from Ryan Held yesterday, Thursday. I keep saying yesterday. Thursday, I walked away from him. Right as he got asked about Trey Bryant, and I was like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" Yeah, I walked. I walked away as he was talking about recruiting, and yeah, it is. Listen, we all have our moments where <laughs> we mess that up. Yeah, so they will give us news. Well, let's wrap it up on that note. <laughs> Sorry, plans for this weekend? <laughs> um, I am hosting a bachelor party. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's on Saturday, so not suitable for work. No, and don't don't expect anything from me. <laughs> Over the weekend. So I'm hoping no news happens. I might go see a quiet... That, it, with that being the case, news will happen. Of course. That's what happens. Of course. I'm going to go see a quiet place. You've got to let me know how you what you think about that. I also would like to go see Black Panther again before um, Infinity War comes out. 
Okay. Are you as excited about that movie as I am? I'm getting there. I kind of put it off on the back burner because it felt like it was just so far away. But Dude, now it feels like we're here. Yeah, it's like And two I'm weeks starting away. to get excited. I'm yeah, hyped. I am. I got need to get my tickets. It's uh, it's exciting. Okay. Playoffs this weekend. I will be watching that. Uh, I guess we'll try to do some work this weekend and get some some stories up for you guys to read. Appreciate you listening to NBA nonsense for the first five minutes of this podcast. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.